Hi, I'm Ruth Schwenk, and I'm so thrilled you're listening in with us at Root Like Faith. It is our deepest desire to encourage and equip men and women to be rooted in God's Word, transformed by the love of Jesus, and moved by His mission and the power of the Holy Spirit. Nothing is more important. Well, today in episode 27, can you believe that? We are on season two, episode 27. That's hard to believe. That is really hard to believe. Well, we're talking about marriage and how, well, it's not always what we expect. It's full of surprises, full of disagreements, and well, it's just... Joy, really. Okay, yes, there is joy. joy Absolute joy. (laughs) (laughs) But marriage is good, right? It's supposed to be good. So we are going to explore a biblical foundation for marriage and why a healthy marriage is so important. So let's get going. Well, today we are back. We took a break. We took a break. It's good. It's always good to take a little break. So we took a little break and we are here to kick off a fall series over the next few weeks called For Better or For Kids. And it's actually, well, that's the name of one of our books, For Better or For Our very first book that we've ever, I I think it was the very first book we ever Oh, together. Released, right? Together. Mm -hmm. And yeah. For Better or For Kids, A Vow to Love Your Spouse with Kids in the House. And I should say, though, honey, it's not, I mean, really, this is about marriage. So if you don't have kids, keep listening. It is. Yeah, today is going to be primarily about marriage. Mm -hmm. And and so uh, whether you uh, have kids or not, this is, um, it's going to be great. Mm -hmm. And I I do, I should share what just happened right before I hit record, (laughs) because this is reality. Come on, honey, don't do this. Well, he's sitting, Patrick is sitting right next to me as we record, and his foot keeps hitting my leg it's, it is completely accidental <laughs> i'm not flirting with you i think people sometimes when they hear the podcast they think we're like in this really big and nice studio and no, the reality we're s- is we're we're like we're like well we're in our room sitting at the desk and it, you're, yeah. you're kind of your corner office here in, mm-hmm. the, in the corner of our room and like there's not a ton of room and no. so i'm just trying to but you're fight for all- space here at the desk <laughs> And you're all relaxed and your toe keeps hitting yeah. my this my leg. Okay, anyway, and I had literally just was like, honey, stop hitting my leg. <laughs> and then I hit record. Anyways, so today we are going to talk a lot about marriage. And maybe we should share how we how we met. I well, We just we? celebrated, I mean, August 8th was our anniversary. So I know this is October. And so we just celebrated 23 years of marriage. Yeah, that's crazy. Which, you know, July and August were kind of crazy for us. We we had a couple surgeries between the two of us. So it's just good to be back. Yeah. And um, and doing well. So we went to Chicago just recently because we weren't able to celebrate in August because we were still recovering. You were recovering. And so now we're back. We went to Chicago, had a great time celebrating 23 years, which Chicago is where it all began. I mean, that's where we met as students at the Moody Bible Institute. I went to Moody primarily to find a wife. Honey, that's not funny. I I mean, my education was secondary, you know? (laughs) Okay, that was a joke. Okay, anyways. (laughs) Okay, so how we met. I just got the leg slap, just for those of you who I, I just got slapped on the leg. And that's Ruth's very subtle way of back to you know get get back to being focused so i'm sorry honey oh my word okay <laughs> anyways so we met well just to keep the fun going here we actually met with a prank phone call which is really so silly like no does anybody do that anymore i don't know i, I don't know if they did back then i mean i, I well I, mean, that, yeah. I did but i don't know if, if yeah that was... as kids i remember doing like prank phone calls and yeah, stuff. but yeah, that's true but probably not once you were in college <laughs> <laughs> um but anyways we met by a prank phone call because i was in a class with one of pat's roommates and his roommate 
John told him that they were they would gather all the guys from their floor in their room. Here they are in we are in downtown Chicago, and for some reason you wanted to be in your your dorm room. But anyways, that's another story. And it was back when the computers had speakerphones on them. This really makes us sound old. I know that was like cutting edge. Yeah, it was technology. So they put the the computer on speakerphone, and they would prank phone call somebody and they would have Pat do it because he could make himself sound like a radio show host because of his voice that is so radio-ish you know <laughs> that's what people have told him his whole life anyways okay see this is what happens when I tell a story I like to tell all the details we, we, we don't have you know we have limited time here honey so okay I think we've told this story before yeah maybe we have so, I can't remember so but it, it's still it's worth retelling so John his roommate who I had a class with said, I have this friend who's very gullible, which that wasn't very nice. And I, maybe I'm a little bit gullible, but it's because I like to believe the best in people. Anyways, that's a whole nother story. So Pat called me to prank phone call me and I didn't fall for it. I was not gullible. Well, we had about 20, there were probably 20 guys from my floor that were in the room. And yeah, we called, I pretended to be a radio DJ, a little game we used to call Dash for Cash. Yeah, why don't you just um, do it real quick? I would just invite the listener uh, to Dash. No, say it like you would. Say it like you would. Honey, don't don't do this. Yes, honey, just real quick. (laughs) Just real quick, do it. I I think my voice speaks for itself. I think our our friends can, they can, they can really envision. (sighs) Honey, (laughs) hi, this is, you know, you would. Do the little radio voice real quick. Hi, this is Patrick Schwenk, and I'm calling from, you know, this, it was that kind of it was that kind of a thing. I don't, we don't need Be, to. Okay, but that was on. perfect. I just needed them to have a little sample of why you were the chosen one to do that. Yeah, I mean, the bottom line is that we we would invite students to run to the corner of, of I think it was Chicago or Chicago in LaSalle Boulevard, mm-hmm. and which was right outside Moody's kind of front gates, and we would you know basically say if you can get there in the next you know five minutes, you win five hundred dollars of cash. And so what college student, you know, wouldn't Wouldn't jump at that? And so, of course, you know, we would then watch out our window as students would go running out the front gate of Moody Bible Institute to the corner. And and instead of finding $500 in cash, there was nobody there. There was nobody there. Looking back, I mean, it really really is sad. And that was not nice. But you were young. We were young. young. And anyways, okay. So you called me I didn't fall for it but then what happened is we just started talking and then everybody from the room we left. did yeah and that's sort of that's that's the way it began and as the story goes you didn't fall for the prank but in time you would fall for me and so everybody <laughs> cleared out and you and I stayed on the phone and then that led to a double date and then eventually I think I asked you to be my valentine and that was yeah that was a lot of years yeah you, you had a whole list of you had 10 yeah. reasons that I should be your valentine that but was that's that's how it started and I'm mm-hmm. I'm glad that I I that was that a long time ago honey. that worked out well for me <laughs> <laughs> that was a long that was a time long time ago. ago so here's the thing you know I was pretty young I mean I we got married when I was 20 and I mean just the reality is that a lot of us go into marriage with all sorts of uh, maybe fairy tale ideas, just, you know, thinking things are going to be just wonderful and great. And I mean, who who of us is really 100 percent prepared for marriage and just learning to get along with somebody that you that you don't know terribly well? Or even if you do, it's just a whole different ballgame. You know, you're spending your life with them. And so I think it, 
it should be no surprise to us that we will have lots of bumps along the way and things that take us by surprise that we're just like, oh, I wasn't expecting that or I thought this would be easier. Um, don't you agree, honey? There's yeah, a lot I, mean, I think we like all that. go into to marriage, you know, yeah, with, with a certain level of expectation. And, and obviously we've never um, never been married. And so those are based on, you know, just ideas that we have or, Mm -hmm. you know, different uh, stories that were sold in, in uh, TV and movies or books. And so we all go into marriage with sort of this, this level of expectation and that gets shattered, Mm -hmm. you know, pretty early on. And, um, I know that certainly was true, true for us. Um, you know, well, don't make it sound terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they did come out. Yeah, that was true for us. us. No, I mean, but I think just like any normal couple. I was speaking for everybody else except for us. (laughs) Right. Because we were the exception. (laughs) No, um. But yeah, I even remember, this is so funny, but you know, your wedding day, this I feel like is like the perfect picture for, you know, us expecting marriage to be a certain way and then things aren't exactly as it seemed. But on our wedding day, I, for some reason, thought it would be a really good idea to get married early in the morning. I have no idea why. I'm not even a morning person. Far from it. But uh, so our wedding was actually at 10 o'clock in the morning and which meant that I had to get up at like four something to start getting ready. Well, you know, you have the nerves of the day and everything with that. Well, I wasn't feeling so well. And there, I literally went, drove to, was driven to the wedding with a huge pot on my lap because I thought I was going to throw up. I was so (laughs) sick. I felt so sick. And I thought, well, this isn't what I expected it to be. I remember you darting out of your parents. I think we stopped by your parents' house and you were darting out of the, out of your parents' house into the car with, with some of your bridesmaids. Mm -hmm. And I remember you, you know, carrying that large bucket, you know, Mm -hmm. a a large cooking pan. I think it's, you know, the the pan that you, we still have today that you make loads of chili in. Okay. But I didn't really get sick in it. You didn't. You didn't. Fortunately, (laughs) we still have the pan, but you didn't get sick. And I just, I remember thinking, oh, this is, yeah, this is going to be a little different than what I thought. Yeah. And then I took a picture of you on our honeymoon because you were all mad. I think we've told this story before, so I won't go into all the details, but you were upset. We got in a fight and you were upset you were driving and I started laughing because I just thought the whole thing was so funny and you had just the you were so upset the look on your face was so hysterical <laughs> to me that I literally took a picture of you which great, probably wasn't the best idea start that doesn't help the situation I wouldn't recommend that but I you think know we got in an argument about where we were going to eat that night I think it was one of those things where I where I ask you where do you want to eat and you said you don't care. But and, I did but care. But you did care because <laughs> then I started listing places and everything I said, you're like, no, that doesn't sound good. <laughs> no. And so just one thing led to another and I just remember feeling, you know, sinful inside and then you snapped the picture. <laughs> right. Which, again, wasn't a great idea. No. But, but anyways. Yeah. I, again, I think, you know, as we sort of transition and talk more seriously about marriage, I mean, the, the reality is, I mean, we just live, I mean, on an individual level, you know, each of us go into marriage with a certain level of expectations that do get shattered or altered a bit. Mm-hmm. And we be- begin as we're, as we're growing, you know, in, in Christ likeness and growing in, just in marriage and, and maturing that, yeah, you, you begin to understand more fully what a biblical marriage is really all about. And you just don't understand that. Um, you can't, you know, from day one. Mm-hmm. And so, and then you combine that, I think with just the culture that we're living in, I mean, we just are increasingly living in a culture that is so confused about sexuality, which then leads to confusion mm-hmm. in marriage and there just is all sorts of brokenness and confusion as it relates to marriage. And so what we want to do just in our remaining time in this episode um, as we're you know, setting this series up for the next couple of weeks is really talk about a biblical definition of marriage mm-hmm. and just unpack, I think, some 
I think some really important truths that, that a couple needs to know or be reminded of, and, and maybe you're listening and you're not married yet, or maybe you've been married for a number of years. And so regardless of where you're at, you know, we just hope and pray that this is a great encouragement. It just, you know, solidifies your marriage or maybe prepares you if you're not married. Mm-hmm. And some of these things that we're going to share today are things that I share at every marriage uh, wedding ceremony. Mm-hmm. He was a pastor, you know, been in ministry now for over 20 years. And it's such a privilege to be a part of that um, that preparation period, you know, premarital counseling, and then that day uh, with, with a couple. And so I, I want to share a couple things that I typically share in premarital counseling and then at a wedding ceremony. So we're going to kind of unpack a couple of those things mm-hmm. briefly as we set up, you know, this series. Yeah. And you know what? I I was just thinking that one thing I love um, about the ceremonies that you do and just the counseling that you do ahead of time is, is you really help the couple see like the sacredness. I think in our culture, we've lost that understanding, right. the sacredness of marriage and, um, you know, what God intends for a man and a woman. And you bring that also to the ceremony. And it's just so incredible. And I think that I, I really hope that you can set the stage for our listeners in that, because I think that's where I feel like there's like a disconnect or that's missing in our culture today. Um, even in Christian marriages, right. you know, oh, ha, 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 we fight or, you know, we can't get along or, you know, what? I, but like this is a really a sacred union right. and we have a purpose together as a couple and God wants to use us. I mean, there's so much we could go into here. Um, but this, yeah, this is going to be really good. Absolutely. Well, I, it, honey, if you want to look at Genesis chapter two, I'm going to have you read verses 21 through 25. Where I'm just kind of giving a, a definition of, of marriage. I think it's um, so important for us to remember, and it's what you were saying, that, that marriage, you know, is God's idea. He, he's the one that, that joins a man and a woman together and gives his approval, gives his blessing. Mm-hmm. And so it really is this this sacred union. It's this covenant that a man and woman enter in together uh, under God's, you know, condition and his blessing. And we oftentimes, even in a ceremony, um, yeah, take that so lightly. We forget mm-hmm. about the yeah. sacredness of it. It's exactly what you were saying. And so I think, you know, one thing that just is really important to remember, just very simply, that that the definition of marriage is it's a covenant between one man and one woman who become one flesh for one life. Mm -hmm. I mean, just very simply. I mean, that's what marriage is biblically. It's a covenant between one man and one woman who become one one, um, flesh for one life. And and we find that, you know, primarily in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. But read Genesis 2, if you will, honey, um, verses 21 through 25. This is a passage that I love to work through with a couple as they're uh, preparing for that day, but more importantly, for their for their lifetime together. Mm. And I always share it at a, at a um, wedding ceremony as well. But if you'd read that, that would be mm-hmm. great. So starting in verse 21, chapter 2. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. Yeah, so this passage is is really the passage that in Mark chapter 10, um, verses 6 through 9, when when Jesus is asked a question about marriage, he actually quotes Genesis chapter 2. He goes back to these verses, verses 21 through 25. Again, appealing not to culture, but he appeals to, to creation, what God originally intended, what he designed for a man and a woman. Mm-hmm. And so in Mark chapter 10, when Jesus is asked about marriage, he goes back to the creative order and what God originally intended, this passage that you just 
read. And it's just a reminder that, that marriage is, is meant to be entered into and maintained with purity, faithfulness, and selfless devotion. And Jesus, when he's asked about marriage, again, he, he appeals to God's original desire and design as we just read in Genesis chapter 2. And you know, one of the things that, that I always say to a couple is, and it comes from Genesis chapter 2, is that really a couple is, is leaving their parents, mm-hmm. but they're cleaving to one another, and they're also beginning to weave a new story. Mm, um, and that. so those three things, you, you leave, you cleave, and then you weave. And you find that from Genesis chapter 2, and, and of course Mark chapter 10, as Jesus is quoting that, that, that in a very real way, a husband and a wife, they, they leave their parents so that they can cleave to one another, that to stick together, to be committed to one another. But then they begin to weave a, a new story that is uniquely theirs. It doesn't mean they, they dishonor their parents or disown them. But now that marriage relationship, that sacred bond between a man and a woman becomes the most important relationship mm-hmm. in their life. Mm-hmm. And so they leave, cleave, and weave. And you know, one of the things that I, that I love to say at a marriage ceremony is that it's one thing to walk down the aisle together, but it's a whole other thing to walk through life together. Right. And I think you have um, every couple um, that, that gets married, says those vows at the altar. They walk down the aisle, but sadly, not every couple goes on walking through life together. Mm-hmm. And, and so the goal um, and the, the desire that we see in Genesis 2 is that a husband and a wife would, would come together. They become one flesh. They leave their parents, cleave to one another and begin to weave their their unique story as husband and wife. They'd build a family by God's grace. They would walk through life together. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, when you're talking about it's another quite another thing to walk through life together. It's because as we walk through life, every single one of us faces so many different circumstances and seasons and um, struggles and joys and hopes and all of that. And through all of that, our marriage is only strengthened if we allow that to happen. Of course, it can. we can have division in our marriage if we don't keep working on it. Um, but I think that's, you know, it's this picture of actually walking through life, not just saying I do and walking down the aisle, but I love, I just, that is one of my very favorite things that you say at a ceremony, you know, is just that this is more than just walking down the aisle together. This is walking through life yeah. because it's it's not all, it's not always happy. And there's hard times and, you know, sad times and good times and great times. And it's walking through every single season side by side. I think, you know, about my parents, I mean, they, I think they were married for, yeah, 49 years. You know, Mm -hmm. shared the story about my dad passing in 2010. My mom passed in 2012. But they um, celebrated 49 years of marriage, which is Mm -hmm. extraordinary. And, you know, I think about, like, their... um, their wedding day and like and none of us can anticipate you know when you when you make those vows to one another none of us can anticipate what the next week or the next month or the next decade is going to look like Mm -hmm. the things that that um you'll be asked to walk through and you know i think about that and and did think about that a lot especially in the years after my my parents passing and and really what what allowed my parents to continue walking by god's grace through life together was not the circumstances of their marriage, but it was the, the conviction of their heart that, that Jesus was number one in their life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that, that it's so important for a couple to understand that first and foremost, they're called to, to love Jesus mm-hmm. and to serve him and to honor him and to pursue him. And um, their, their first 
responsibilities to be a good disciple um, and to surrender their life to Jesus. And that that will impact then how they are as a, as a husband mm-hmm. or as a wife. And, and I saw that in my own parents' lives mm-hmm. um, and just what enabled them to walk through 49 years of, of marriage was their their commitment to Jesus. And right. that commitment to Jesus Change. is what enabled them to be committed to one another right. through Change good their, times and then some really tough right. times. Right, changed their commitment to one another. Well, I want to read um, Mark 10, 6 through 9, because and maybe just because you had mentioned it a couple of times. And I know it was it was pointing back to Genesis, which we already read. But let me read uh, Mark 10, 6 through 9. Uh it says, but at the begin, Jesus replied, but at the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. And so I think that we see in this scripture, and, and you talk about this as well, um, there's things that we can see in this scripture that talks specifically about marriage. Can you share those? Yeah. I mean, I I usually read that passage at each wedding ceremony and I usually highlight four truths from that passage. And and one of the things that I highlight is that uh, to, um, you know, a husband or wife uh, or to a man and a woman, they're becoming a husband or wife that day. I remind them first and foremost, based on Mark 10, that your marriage must come first. Mm, mm-hmm. And again, it's that idea of leaving, cleaving, and weaving. And it, it means that, um, that for example, the, the husband is, it doesn't mean that he's no longer going to be a son. He's still going to be called to honor his mom and his dad. But, but the priority relationship now um, is the husband-wife relationship. And mm-hmm. he's first and foremost called to be a good and godly husband. Um, likewise for, for the wife. I mean, she's still going to be a good daughter, honor her mom and her dad if they're alive. Um, but now the priority is to be a, a good and godly wife. Mm-hmm. And so I always remind um, a couple at the altar at the day of their wedding ceremony that first and foremost, their marriage um, is a priority relationship. Mm-hmm. The second thing I remind them is that they must be totally committed to one another. Mm. And that's where we get that word cleave, you know, Genesis chapter 2. You know, where it talks about how a husband and wife, you know, they're going to leave their parents, they're going to cleave to one another. The Hebrew word there is, is it's the, the imagery of, of being cemented together. Mm, and so a husband and wife that. leave their parents. Now they, they have this priority relationship. And, but, they, but they're to be totally committed to one another, to be cemented to one another, to become one flesh. Mm. Um, and so that, that's the, the imagery there, that, that marriage is about bringing a man and a woman together. And they have this new priority relationship, but it's a relationship that is meant to be cemented together. It's committed in good in times and in bad times. Uh, they're to become one flesh. And then fourthly, um, the marriage is for your good, but ultimately for God's glory. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we see that in Ephesians chapter 5. I mean, marriage is, is intended to be a benefit to you and I. It's for our good, but ultimately our marriage has an even greater mission. And it's a point to the, to, um, to the glory of God. Mm-hmm. And that's really what Paul's making his argument about in Ephesians chapter five, that the love that you and I have as a husband and a wife is really a picture of the love that Jesus has for the church. Mm-hmm. And so you and I, we, we get the incredible opportunity of putting on display what God is like through our marriage. And, um, and so our marriage is, is much as it's meant to be a great gift of companionship and friendship and oneness. It also has a great mission that we get to show the world what the love of God looks mm-hmm. like in Christ. And I think that's just so uh, unique 
as Christians, like that we have a purpose together in this. And I think sometimes we forget that, like instead of fighting together, we're fighting against one another, you know, that whole idea. Um, We forget that actually God wants to use us side by side instead of, you know, against one another. Well, I think one of the things we've forgotten about, because again, there's so much confusion in our culture today as it relates to sexuality, which then um, that affects how we view marriage and then it affects Mm -hmm. how we view family. And so, I mean, God has ordered the man and the woman differently. The man and the woman are different sexually for a reason mm-hmm. um, in that, that we are ordered in such a way so that a man and woman come together and have the opportunity to bring children in the world and to raise them and to build a family. You see that in Genesis, you know, chapter two. And so we've divorced that idea from, from love and marriage. Mm. And so biblically, you know, marriage is this relationship between a man and a woman where they come together and they, they're one flesh for one lifetime, but we are ordered in such a way that we um, have the opportunity to bring new life into the world mm. for procreation mm-hmm. and to raise kids uh, that will to grow up and love Jesus. And so um, that's a piece of marriage and family that has been gracefully, greatly distorted or misunderstood in mm-hmm. the culture that we're living in. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, You know, I I can't help but think about the person listening who is really struggling in their marriage because, I I mean, we've been in ministry, obviously, for over 20 years and seen countless couples who uh, are struggling and it just seems nowadays it's just more and more, you know, that, that couples are struggling in their marriages. And so... Um, I don't want, we don't want to make this seem easy, you know, like this is what God says marriage should be, you know, um, but like, what does this really look like? Like when you're struggling and, you know, how can we encourage someone who's struggling in their marriage and and like, where do they go from here? Like, what can we tell them? Yeah, I think, you know, one of the, one of the passages that I love um, that is not primarily about marriage, but, but can be applied to marriage is the Old Testament, the passage from the Old Testament book of Judges chapter seven. And, you know, marriage in so many ways is a blessing, but it is, it's a battle as well. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we see God giving that gift of marriage at the very beginning of the story, you know, in Genesis. But the reality is it's the first relationship that the enemy attacks, that that the enemy comes and he attacks the, the man and the woman, he attacks their family. And so you're right, there is just so much um, that is good about marriage, but it also really um, comes with, with a battle. Mm-hmm. And it has to be fought for in grace and in love and forgiveness. And I love that passage in Judges chapter 7 that really is a story primarily about God giving Israel victory over her enemies. But I think there's a, there's a really interesting detail at the end of that passage that speaks directly to what you're talking about. And let me just read it. It's the story of Gideon leading the Israelites into battle against the Midianites. Um, it's Judges chapter 7. Starting in verse 9, it says, Gideon and the hundred men with him reached the edge of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch, just after they had changed the guard. They blew their trumpets and broke the jars that were in their hands. The three companies blew the trumpets and smashed the jars, grasping the torches in their left hands and holding it in their right hands, the trumpets they were to blow. They shouted a sword for the Lord and a sword for Gideon. While each man held his position around the camp, all of the Midianites ran, crying out as they fled. When the 300 trumpets sounded, the Lord caused the men throughout the camp to turn on each other Mm. with their swords. Mm -hmm. And I think that last phrase is so telling. I think it, again, this is primarily a story about God giving Israel victory over her enemies. But that last phrase, you know, in a moment of chaos, Mm. in a moment of stress, in a moment of confusion, 
it says that they turned on each other. The Midianites turned on each other with their swords. In other words, they defeated themselves. Mm -hmm. They misunderstood who the enemy was. Instead of fighting back to back, they turned on each other with their swords. And sadly, so many times in marriage, that's what happens with a husband and a wife. They they get into marriage. They realize the other person is not as perfect as they thought they were. They (laughs) they start having kids and Mm -hmm. schedules get busy. Um, you just are, are sinful. You're two sinful human beings relating to one another mm-hmm. and all of the stress of that, the reality of that begins to, to press in on a couple. And instead of fighting for one another, fighting for their marriage, they oftentimes turn mm-hmm. on each other and that can have devastating consequences for a couple. Mm-hmm. And, and so I love that passage. It's such a reminder that, that marriage really is a blessing, but it also is a battle. It's one that we have to be wise about, discerning about. We have to remember who the real enemy is. Mm-hmm. And it's not our husband. It's not our wife. We have to fight for one another, not against mm-hmm. one another. And I think that what happens is, uh, by the way, that was Judges seven nineteen through 22. I think, you know, what happens is people, we, we walk down the aisle together. And, you know, it's our wedding day. And, and of course, it's glorious. Um, and But as time goes on and the years go by, we get tired, right? We get tired from our circumstances, from, you know, maybe we're struggling just like we're fighting a lot or who knows, whatever it is, we get tired. And I think we have this um, impression that it would just be easier to, to just have somebody else. You know, I, fe- I think in our culture, that's how it is. You know, if I could just have a different spouse who was easier to get along with or, you know what I mean? But then the truth is that's going to happen all over again. And so I I think, you know, if we can commit to if instead of fighting against one another, fighting for one with one another and for one another. And I think what that looks like is just recognizing that we're not perfect. None of us are perfect. We have to um, we have to forgive one another, have grace with one another, love one another. And a lot of times we have to seek outside help. And and that's okay. And I think that's, I think we can be, want to take the easy road out sometimes, you know, Um, of course, I'm not talking about extreme circumstances where, where maybe there needs to be some, some serious help, but I'm talking about the relationships that we just want to give up on because it's gotten really hard. I think the other, the other thing too, is just having a perspective of of what God intends for marriage. I mean, we live in a very, you know, consumeristic culture on every Mm. level. And Mm -hmm. so we just view our relationships that way. We we view our marriage that way. What am I getting out of it? You know, mm, I put this in, yeah. and so what am I? What am I getting out of it? When we look at it from God's perspective, I mean, God is using marriage; He's using family to to purify us, to refine us, to transform us, to make us mm. holy. Um, and so, marriage is very much a part of how God um, gives us His grace, how we how mm. we share in His life. And so, I think if we view marriage um, in the same way that our culture views marriage, then we'll view it. Um, in a very consumeristic way. Mm. What am I getting from it? And, um, and that's not God's perspective at all. Uh, God wants to give us more and more of his life. He wants us to to share Mm -hmm. in his nature and, um, and to share in his, you know, his his grace. Mm -hmm. And um, marriage is one of the ways that, that God brings that about in a believer's life. And so that is a very different perspective about Mm -hmm. marriage and family than what our culture has. Well, and it makes me think of how much marriage, you know, changes me from the inside out, you know, because there's things that aren't brought to light until we're, until we are arguing about something. Listen, I am super holy when I'm by myself. (laughs) 
But the minute you bring another human being into the equation, I realize how sinful and selfish I am. Exactly. It's like, wait a minute. But I think, you know, I I always say that with motherhood, the same thing is, you know, with marriage, those issues that really come to the bubble up to the surface. Yeah, Mine don't bubble up. They just come, they come gushing out, (laughs) you know, but I remember my, my mentor in college, Abe Meisenberg, who's, I don't know that I'd be in ministry without without Abe, he was uh, a year or two ahead of me at Moody and started meeting with me and just is, is a godly, godly guy and uh, just appreciate him so much. But I remember sitting at a park in Chicago one Sunday night, we, we were going through Disciplines of a Godly Man by Dr. Kent Hughes, and we got talking about marriage. And I'll never forget, he said, you know, marriage will magnify your weaknesses. Mm, that's and so that's good. such a, a simple line. And he told me that, I don't know, 25 years ago. Mm. And that has always stuck with me. And, um, and then I remember him saying, not only will, will marriage magnify your weaknesses, but kids will magnify your weaknesses even more. Right. And so, um, and it's so true. You get married and you begin to realize, um, yeah, how selfish you are, how mm-hmm. sinful you are. And it really brings to the surface or, or really um, magnifies it. It makes uh, very clear and very obvious those areas in our life that we, mm-hmm. we have not yet given over to God. And then the same thing happens when kids come along. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and again, that's, that's part of what God is doing uh, through marriage and through family is he's refining us. He's changing us. He's transforming us. He's giving us that abundant life if we let him. Mm-hmm. If we cooperate with his grace. And uh, what a gift that is. Mm-hmm. And so um, as hard as marriage can be, um, it's an incredible gift. It's a blessing. It's also a battle, but it is worth fighting for. Mm, yes. And I think of how many people feel like they're alone in their marriage, like they're the only one wanting to fight for their marriage. And I think if we can take the perspective of it's not like it's not me thinking Pat needs to change this, this and this, but it's me thinking what do I need to work on? What do I need to change? You know, I can't force somebody else to change, but I can change myself. And I think that's a really important perspective to have. And we are going to dive into so much more, you know, through this series. I know we could go on and on and talk about so many different things, but I hope that really helped to lay a solid foundation um, for you for what, what marriage looks like in God's eyes. And I, I love, you know, what really stands out for out to me are those a couple of these sentences that we shared, and that is marriage is both a blessing, but it is a battle. You are charged to fight for one another and not against one another. Well, friend, we are so grateful you have joined us. And if we haven't met, we want to get to know you. So be sure to follow us on Instagram at Patrick W. Schwenk and at Ruth Schwenk or on Facebook. And don't forget that everything we talked about will be at rootlikefaith.com forward slash podcast. Again, we welcome you into our family here at Root Like Faith. Would you do us a big favor and leave us a review or rating and share this podcast with your friends? It just takes a second and it's a tremendous help to us as we spread the word about Root Like Faith. Be sure to tag us on social media when you do that. So we're so, so grateful for you. So grateful for you and helping us get the word out. All right, friend, well, we'll chat soon and we hope you have the best week.